This is Ozarks at Large. Undisciplined, the podcast produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore in collaboration with the African and African-American Studies program at the U of A, is back for season two. In the season opener, host Karee Banton talks with Dr. Ernest Ufenue. Dr. Ufenue grew up in Cameroon and came to America to study at Vanderbilt, and he's now researcher at the CDC studying HIV and AIDS, but his knowledge and understanding of preventing and slowing epidemics is valuable when it comes to understanding other diseases, like what we're experiencing currently with COVID-19. In terms of the work that I do as related to HIV, we know that uh, we have four pillars uh, that we try to work on when it comes to eradicating the virus from the society. We have uh, testing. You know, you have to test individuals who are infected to make sure that you know where the, where the infection is happening, right? You have to then treat individuals who are infected. And then you have to prevent individuals who are not infected from acquiring the disease. And then you have to respond rapidly to any, uh, any hotspots that you notice. So those are the four. Test, treat, prevent, and respond quickly. For me, I focus on the first of the four, which is testing. So if you don't test, you never know where the leading edge of the epidemic is. It's the same thing we experienced here with COVID-19. We talked about testing, 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 whether it is laboratory testing, whether it is testing at home, testing in the community. You have to test individuals to make sure that you know where the leading edge of the, uh, of the epidemic is happening or the pandemic is happening. So for me, we do a lot of work in Africa where we do participate in a lot of testing. And here at home, I do participate in developing new assays that can, uh, can detect HIV infection as well and put a timestamp on the infection. By putting a timestamp, I mean you can detect the HIV and tell approximately when the individual was infected. How? Well, it depends. Uh, there are different methods uh, that you can employ in, uh, in doing so. The one method that we use is uh, it's antibody avidity. So what you would discover is that uh, when an individual is infected with the virus, for instance, you know, in the early phase of uh, the infection, uh, the antibodies are made uh, that have uh, what we call low avidity. Avidity is uh, the binding strength of the antibody to the antigen, which is the virus. You know, it could be the viral antigen, uh, different proteins from the virus. So the antibodies that are made during the early phase of the infection have very low avidity. And antibodies that are made during the last or the late phase of the infection, which is called long term, have very strong avidity. So you can classify the avidity as weak avidity or strong avidity, and then be able to distinguish it as, uh, you know, early infection or late infection. I'm trying to put this in uh, simplistic terms so that I don't yes, confuse individuals. Yes. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. What do we know and what are we still learning about the intersection of COVID-19 and HIV? What you're calling containing contagions? I mean, these two viruses are very similar and different similar and different. Like I said from the, from the beginning, when you look at uh, the similarities, we can look at the similarities in fighting any pandemic or epidemic, right? It is a standard formula. It's test to find those who are infected, right? Test and treat those who are infected. Prevent those who are negative from acquiring the virus or from getting infected. And then respond quickly. So that is a standard formula. It applies to the COVID-19, 
it applies to HIV. But then there are subtle differences. For instance, uh, for HIV, you know, an individual can be infected with HIV and they don't uh, show any symptoms, but after maybe some 10 years or so, that's when they start experiencing maybe AIDS-related symptoms, right? When the immune system becomes compromised. So you can be infected for this long and you are not experiencing any symptoms, you know, 10 plus years or, you know. But then with COVID, you are looking at a matter, you know, matter of days, uh, at least at most a week, right? When you start uh, experiencing the symptoms of COVID-related disease. So you think about it. So you have uh, 10 years and you have a couple of days. So those are, those are, those are very different in terms of responding to a need, right? So the thing here is that by the time that the individual who is, you know, who has to take up to 10 years before experiencing symptoms, what happens is this individual then has, what, 10 years to do what? To spread the virus. Because if you are detecting this individual, let's say after 10 years when they were infected, for those 10 years they were doing what? Infecting other people. Whatever the means of uh, infection, they got the virus. They're probably using that same means of infection to spread the virus around. So detecting the infection early on is very important. That's one thing that they always stress. You have to detect the infection early on so that you stop that chain of transmission. And there's the evidence too that shows that when you detect the infection early on in the HIV cycle, you actually, the treatment responds you know, better during that early phase of infection. Now, when it comes to COVID-19, for instance, like I said, the, you know, you're looking at a matter of days here. So <laughs> if you don't detect here in a matter of days, then of course, infection becomes a, a troublesome thing. So you have to really have a system in place to detect quickly, especially for COVID-19 uh, that uh, manifests itself within just days. Are people who are currently living with HIV, are they at higher risk for COVID-19? So the ultimate answer is no. But then you also have to notice here that uh, they are at higher risk to have comorbidities. The comorbidities here could include things like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, you know, so on and so forth, or other chronic disease that they might have. So, yes, it has been shown that uh, if you have any comorbidities, you are at higher risk for, you know, acquisition of, um, of COVID-19 and, of course, faring really badly with COVID-19 as well, right? Because if you remember, China made an important observation during the early phase of the, of the pandemic where they discovered that seven out of every 10 people that died from COVID-19 had some form of comorbidities, right? So, but then if you look here in the United States where 50% of those, actually more than 50% of those who actually have HIV are more than 50 years old, I think. I, th I hope that is a statistic. So if you are already old, that old, the chances of you having a comorbidity is already high. You know, it's not just associated with the HIV, it's already associated with your age to begin with. So, you know, to attribute that to HIV or to your age is a little bit confusing here. So the, the bottom line is uh, from everything that has been published, it does not look like uh, those who have HIV uh, you know, have a higher risk of having um, COVID-19. However, if you have HIV and it's not under controlled, 
then definitely if your immune system is compromised, then definitely you don't have an immune system to fight the virus to begin with. Once COVID-19 hit, what, what were your thoughts? I'm always curious as to people who are at the center of these kinds of, what was your thoughts like with, with COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 was not any different from any new virus. You know, when a new virus enters a society, there is, uh, first of all, there's going to be chaos. It's acceptable. So you didn't go get your own t- your tissue and all that. Well, it's gonna be everybody's uh, everybody's wondering that who, who is this new virus or what is this new virus that has come into the society, right? Mm-hmm. From the scientists to politicians, everybody is uh, running left and right. Nobody wants to say something about it that will hold them responsible. Nobody wants to say something about it that, uh, you know, later on they will say, but you said this, you know, uh, a few years ago. Why are you changing your position today? But what you have to discover with a new virus appearing in the society is that perfection is an enemy of good. You don't have to wait until something is perfect before you actually put a system in place to fight the virus. Whatever thing that you have in place at that particular time to fight the virus, whether it is 10%, 20% effective, use it. And then work on the one that will fight 50%. And then when you get the 50%, work on the one that will fight for 100%. So you have to work progressively to attaining you know, that perfection. But if you keep waiting for perfection, then... It, that perfection is an enemy of good. Now, the other, thing that I, the other thing that I want to mention is that when a new virus comes into the society like the HIV, you know, in, way back then in 1981, it took about, what, six or seven years before the then president at the time, uh, Ronald Reagan, actually said something about the HIV, you know, he, before he actually mentioned it publicly and officially. Six years. The same thing happened with, uh, with COVID-19. You know, it started in, in China in what, December of 2019, even when we had more than 5 million cases here in the United States and tens of thousands of deaths here in the United States. Our president then did not even acknowledge it. He said it was, oh, it was, uh, you know, it was a hoax. Uh, it will go away very soon. Nobody, nobody should believe this. So there is, you know, there is bound to be confusion and there is bound to be denial from the political family. And then when you look at uh, those who are spreading the information too, there is bound to be an onslaught of misinformation and disinformation where individuals will intentionally, in this information, individuals will intentionally spread false rumors or false information about the virus to just mislead people. And then in the misinformation aspect of things, people might just say things you know, innocently, not knowing that it is misleading. So there is confusion, but the truth is that, you know, you move from face to face. And then, uh, like I said, perfection is an enemy of good when you are dealing with situations like that. You know, when the mask mandate came into place, people questioned why should they be wearing masks? The six feet came into place. People were questioning why should we be keeping social distancing and so on and forth. So all those things are put in place when you discover that, okay, this is the mode of transmission. This is how we can prevent this. But then people can say, well, but we did that. And then still somebody contracted the virus. Well, it is not 100 percent perfect. But we do that to at least minimize the, the, the risk of spreading the virus. So we cannot wait for perfection before we can control the virus. Or now in the case of uh, vaccination, for instance, you know, people are saying that, oh, uh, this vaccine is only 90 percent uh, effective and so on and so forth. There is never going to be a vaccine. Well, maybe there can be a vaccine that is 100 percent perfect. But if you want to wait for that, OK, trust your God. 
We'll again be bringing you editions of Undisciplined every other Wednesday on Ozarks at Large for the second season.